unbelievable. It's amazing to see you. It's wonderful to oh, see you. Oh, thank you. It's true. It's nice to be seen, Tom, <laughs> after all these years. Yeah, well, uh, maybe we could start there. It was a choice that you made to, to kind of just not record for a while or, or take time off. And I understand that, by the way. How, how, how many years were you on the road? And I think that's where I'd like to start. I don't know how you guys do that. Excuse yeah. me, Tom. I, I I don't mean to interrupt you, but you need to be closer to your mic. Steve's about twice as loud as you. That's okay. Right? No, Steve. There you, <laughs> Steve right? there you go. There you go. There you go. I do Steve have kind of weird. Steve's twice as loud mind. as you. Steve, a little closer. I said I'm fine with that. Okay. Can you hear me now? Because I want to Beautiful. say I'm Beautiful. still pissed Is off. Is this at... okay? Yeah. I have a little bit of a projective type voice. Yeah. I wonder why that. Yeah. Is. Right. <laughs> Where did that ever come from? I wonder. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant. What's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who've been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap well what's interesting to me is you know a lot of people have fear of attorneys it makes them very uncomfortable they get nervous about it what should i do i've known michael for years and years now and i would Highly recommend you, so that should be good enough for everybody, because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that, um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up, it's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Walzer Automotive is a Minnesota family-owned business. It started in the 50s. It's grown by leaps and bounds, especially in the past few years, and they now have 23 dealerships spread across two states. The Walzer way includes upfront, no-haggle pricing on every single new and used vehicle they sell. If you change your mind, no problem. Check out Walzer's three-day return and 30-day exchange policy. I'm a customer, my family are customers, and many of my friends have bought cars from them. The Walzer way is really different, and I know you'll be pleasantly surprised. For great deals on new or used Acura, Audi, Buick, BMW, Chevrolet, Chrysler, Dodge, GMC, Honda, Hyundai, Jaguar, Jeep, Land Rover, Lexus, Mazda, Mercedes, Mini, Nissan, Porsche, Ram, Subaru, or Toyota, go to walzer.com, Walzer Automotive Group. Walzer.com. Uh, no, I was all. I, I, now that you can hear me full voice, I like to point out that I've always been mad at Steve because I can't sing along to your songs. You're far too good a singer. <laughs> I love to sing. I was a singer for, for many years, but man, you. What'd you, you sing? Uh, R&B. Like what? Uh, you know. Oh, you know. Give me one. Of, what was your favorite you one, R&B song? Uh, of all time was probably Black Pearl. Wow. I love Black Pearl. That's a beautiful man. song. Oh, God. It's that a beautiful guy. melody. 
Yeah, well, I can't sing that song either. Oh, it's a beautiful song. <laughs> it is. It's wonderful. Yeah. But, you know, Temptations, all that stuff. Yeah. Who wow. were your inspirations when you were a kid? Same thing. Uh, oh, we were just wonderful. talking about that this morning at breakfast, that uh, Motown was my go-to. I remember being in the backseat of a 57 Chevy in, in high school, going to a prom, and Baby, I Need Your Loving came on. Oh. And back in those days, of course, I couldn't drive because I was too young, so we double-dated, and they had speakers between the back seat left and right sure, yeah, and absolutely. i could hear levi stubbs just beautifully <laughs> oh, screaming yeah. out baby i need your loving with the four tops behind him and i never forgot that song so that was kind of some of the early beginnings along with no sam cook of course oh sam cook yeah another great one yeah. you know what we should do we'll just throw this in the interview too you and i should recut you've lost that love and feeling because you oh. can cover bobby and i can cover uh yeah i'll be bobby hatfield <laughs> bobby hatfield god yeah. amazing yeah he was a singer that whole thing, I think, really inspired my life. Reading, I, uh, I talked to James Patterson this morning. I was telling people, 375 million books. Singing and reading were the two things, because I grew up in a very poor neighborhood. Right. You know, My mother raised seven kids by herself because my dad was institutionalized. That's what they say now, by the way. You're institutionalized. <laughs> what, that was a code word for? Uh, he was mentally ill. Oh. Yeah, he was schizophrenic. Yeah. But... Uh, my my go-to was guys like you. I mean, it, it made me feel much better. Marvin Gaye, uh, obviously. Uh, but reading and music were the two things for me that, that literally got me through my early years, my teen years, my 20s, all of it. Mm. I, 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 you guys do need to know what you do for people. Well, you know, that's so sweet to say that because I got to tell you, music saved my life, too. When I was Great. about five years old, I discovered the radio, and I, and I never lost my love for radio. It was a connection to the world living a, in a small town of Hanford, California, in the central San Joaquin Valley yeah. of California. Uh, and it seemed like it was it was just something invisible that was out in the ether of the world and and music was coming into my handheld transistor and uh, I'm hearing these amazing songs, these amazing R&B songs. Uh, uh, I know something about love. You know, all these Ooh, songs. You know, and that stuff just to, just I was just captivated no because my parents were splitting up when I was uh, seven years old and I loved my father. He was a singer and mom and him were having trouble and I never understood back in those days what was going on because no. kids were not told nothing. All I know is I, like you were saying, I gravitated to music as a, as a fantasy, a place I could go for mm -hmm. solace and, and just feel good about my life. I, I got very lucky because I used to think during those songs, I wonder if a woman that good looking is ever going to fall in love with me. <laughs> you know what I mean, it's like, hey, you talk about how beautiful these women are or, or, or whatever the situation is. And you do, you think about that. Uh, and I guess one reason I mentioned that is because I remember being 10 years old and, and, again, doing a lot of reading and listening to music. But I go to movies once in a while. Uh, and I saw the movie Girls, Girls, Girls starring Elvis Presley. And I looked up and I went, I ain't ever going to be that good looking. Right, right. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Man. Whoa. So you, we began at the very beginning, which I love. What drove you? So, so you found solace in music. I did, and it was very tough because mom and dad. Are, yeah, that's that's a that's a tough deal because I was a tough thing. Yeah, and I went back to that uh, hometown and and went to that house and shot some photos there uh, with a really great photographer uh, and the house is of course in disarray and basically yeah. you know a drug den I guess is what I 
sure. call it. And, and to walk through the house for the first time after not seeing it since I was about 10 or 12 uh, was one of the most painful and cathartic experiences because all the memories of my mind's eye are a certain way, but now to walk through it and see it. First of all, it's really smaller than I remember. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Much smaller. <laughs> Very no small. Doubt. You know. Yep. But uh, but a lot of memories came back. Some so some good and some not so good. So, but it's just it's it's cathartic. The whole process of of leaving the band and being gone for I gotta tell you, probably oh, thirty years, uh, twenty four yeah. years ago, yeah. I did something. But yeah, uh, it was pretty good something, by the way. Well, thank you. <laughs> but nevertheless, I had to jump off to yeah. kind of just land back in that kind of life and walk through all those thoughts and memories, mm-hmm. uh, and that was going to be a life that I had to make enough again because you, you can't always live in this circling the, the globe sort of life that it becomes. If you're so fortunate, by the way, I'm not complaining, Tom. No, 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 I understand that. Right? If you're so fortunate to get in the music business, which was a dream come true for me, um, it still has its challenges and you, you don't have to look too far to see people not survive it. You know, one of my, the, the great experiences, because I've been doing radio since I was 18 years old. I worked at Capitol Records actually for about five years because mm. I kept getting fired. <laughs> I know that's hard to believe that I kept getting fired because I'm such an even keel guy. Were you out at Capitol in Hollywood? Yeah. I, well, I worked in the Midwest, but I always reported to the Do you know that that has the best live chambers in the world? Oh, I'm telling you, that microphone that Frank Sinatra. His, that's right. Did you and, sing in his microphone? No, I did not. Oh, but I've man, used those should've. chambers. Capital Five really? is the chamber. And it's a yeah. live chamber yeah. underneath the studio yep. in a basement that I guess um, was designed by, um, gosh, I'm drawing a blank now. This is what happens when I get this old. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ancient. You look like you're about 45. Les Paul. Les Paul. Oh, my God. He designed yeah. the chamber, and it was built by somebody else, but he had designed it because he was a genius back then. See, honest to God, you make references, and this uh, this this interview is going to go like ten hours. That's okay. Gonna, we got a lot to talk about. <laughs> one of my favorite things, and I'll move on very quickly. I promise. Johnny Winter yeah. was playing a Les Paul. Yeah. Many people don't know that Les Paul's plug in underneath instead of in the face mm-hmm. of the guitar, and he was over at the Labor Temple singing. I just love Johnny Winter. He's playing, but yeah. he kept stepping on the guitar cord, the cord, and therefore he'd unplug the guitar. So you hear this magnificent guitar playing, this wonderful music, still alive and well, or whatever it was. Uh-huh. And every time he stepped on a chord and his guitar would something, he'd go, God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> it was phenomenal. So Les Paul, yeah, Les Paul. I, I, I had the pleasure to meet Les Paul once. Yeah. So, so what you guys did for me, and you did, you know, as, as mo- moving through life, I, Foolish Heart, Whatever it is, it's a magnificent song and makes people, do people understand what that is? That song specifically was written uh, by a really good friend of mine and myself, uh, Randy Goodrum, very talented writer Mm -hmm. out of Nashville. Um, We got together, we're we're just sketching some ideas one day, and that song got finished the same day, which was something new for me. Uh, Randy says, well, let's let's come up with some ideas. So we came up with the ideas, and then we went and had lunch, and he says, great, we'll go back and do the lyrics. I said, what? We're going to excuse me? I figured, you know, usually you write an idea and then you think about the lyrics. He said, no, in Nashville, he called it skull. We're going to skull out the lyrics. We're going to skull it out. Sure. Was, you know, dig deep in our heads. And we finished the lyrics that day. That song was sketched and done and ready to be recorded that day. 
So yeah. uh, it is basically what you hear. That is the song. That's what I'm exactly what I'm talking about. You can tell, but let me tell you something. I, I hope this has been told to you before. I walked in here, Steve and I have never met before. Right. Love is me. Love your voice. Man. I owe you money, Tom. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like a quarter. But I walked in, and I always do this. I, I observe, and because of the way I grew up, protecting myself, I observe everything. Right. Me too, Just Tom. The, I have, I have tell. that in common. That's exactly what I was going to say. You comport yourself a lot like I do. You're a very nice that's, man. That's uh, very interesting. <laughs> I, I I hope people do. I hope you know you're a very nice man. Oh, you well, do protect yourself, which is a cool thing. Well, I, I kind of grew up having to protect myself yep, from about yep. the age of, uh, I would say, seven, eight on. I was on my own. I really was. Mind uh, you and on that property where I went and shot some of those photos, there was a garage where I used to hide just to uh, feel safe. Mm-hmm. And there was some locations to to not be heard. Even when my parents called me, said, it's time for lunch, I would own my own <laughs> Yeah, I would own my myself by not responding, and you know I had a lot of friends in the streets, and uh, it was a tough time. You know, it but, is. Yeah, but it's probably where all the greatness comes from. I think all the music comes from those places. Yeah. I really do. Still, I think that's absolutely right because you'll yeah. never forget it. It's it's the beginning of of memory for most people. You know, uh, they say by the time you're nine years old, you forget your early memory. You actually remember being two years old and three years old until you turn nine. And then that goes away. So you get to about four or five then. Hmm. So some of your earliest memories, my earliest memories are, are hard times and strife and things like that. I don't think you can be that creative, a creative as you are without having gone through that. I don't think you can do it. I, I, you know, I don't, I, this is going to sound really strange, Tom, but I honestly don't claim any credit for my creativity. I don't because <laughs> yeah. I, uh, all I do is start the process and I try to stay open to what is happening and I just sort of nudge myself around like, oh, I like that. Well, that's not so good. I'll follow that, you know, and I'll follow that for a while. Well, that's pretty cool. Well, that's not so cool. And I'll follow the, I just keep following the openness of what can show up. And, and again, this may sound strange, but it kind of tells me on its own what works and what doesn't just by paying attention to it. And listening to it. I could see that. Now, after being away for a month or two. A <laughs> <laughs> couple of weeks. <laughs> what what happened? It, 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 you literally, you must have felt many, many times, I got to get back out there, man. It's what I love. It's what I do. Or maybe you had other things on your mind. You weren't thinking about that. But, but that must have, I mean, it bothered me that you weren't around. So it must have bothered uh, you. You know what I mean? Well... I was so fortunate to be in the band journey. I mean, it was a time of my life that I would not, I would do it again in a minute. Mm -hmm. I really would. If if I could go back and do that all again, I'd do it again. But you know, things move on and we were at a point, I think, and I certainly will speak for myself was at a point where I was just burnt out, Tom. And, uh, uh, my love for music, as I said earlier with you, that had saved my life had left me. And I was very frightened about that. I was feeling very, uh, uncomfortable with music and PTSD kind of feelings. And what is happening here? Uh, that coupled with, to be honest with you, some, uh, extra behaviors that started to show up to fill that. What? <laughs> Not me. Not me. But but I think when your love for something starts to wane, you're going to start to fill that gap with something that's probably not good for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
you put that together and it just started to crash. And so I knew in my heart intuitively that I need to just do one thing and it's not going to be a popular thing. I just need to stop. And, and yeah. so I did, I just stopped and everybody went, what's going on? Right. I need to stop. And so I did. And, and, and I just landed in my life and tried forever to make that just be enough. Now you're right. That's, that was tough because every night you get people loving you, giving you applause, you get adoration. Um, you get so much love from people when you're performing and they love your music. Walking away from that is insane. My mind said, but I knew if I start using external assistance to keep going, (laughs) He's I'm looking gonna... right at me when he's saying that. I, you know, I understand. Exactly okay. what you're I'm going to. I'm going to end up being another one of those statistics that we know yeah. exist with people yeah. who are successful in this business or any business. Mm-hmm. So, I had to just stop and let where I am hitting the ground be enough. It was being on the road constantly. I don't know how you guys deal with that. I used to, uh, as an example, I used to live in Minneapolis on Saturday and Sunday, in Chicago on Monday and Friday, in New York City on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Now, I got to stop for at least, you know, well, I guess in Chicago it was only one day at a time. How do you do that? You just travel and travel and travel and do, like, in an... When you were with Journey, how many nights a year would you perform? Yeah, the the, the pacing of that tour uh, in those days, all the tours, in fact, were usually two to three on, one off, which was not a day off. It was a travel day. Right. And then right. you do another two to three on or four on. That's what you can do when you're really young, Tom. <laughs> well. <laughs> you know, really. I mean, I was young and I was passionate for it. And I was just hungry, as the word implies. And 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 I loved it so. And, and there was no extra behavior. Behaviors until towards the end where I was burned out is when I started to uh, misbehave slightly. Um, but I was not the only one. I mean, you know, we no. were we were all anyway. But the point is that uh, myself, I like I said, I had to make some changes. A program that benefits the homeowner and not the realtor? Do you want a guaranteed offer on your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl, who has some exciting news to share. Hey, Tom, we are super excited to announce our guaranteed offer program. Here's how it works. If you qualify, we will guarantee you an offer on your house within 48 hours, which means you could be closing in three weeks. No staging, no cleaning, no decluttering, and of course, no open houses. This is your hassle-free way to sell your home. If you qualify for the program, you will get a competitive offer in 48 hours, period. Sounds like a stress-free way to sell your home. It is, Tom. Some homeowners want the convenience to be able to sell their home quickly without going through the stress of showings, open houses, and so many more headaches, especially if they found their dream home and need to sell fast. You do need to qualify for this program, but that's quick and convenient as well. To see if you qualify for the guaranteed offer program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate, go to chrislindahl.com right now or call 763-401-SOLD. Once again, that's chrislindahl.com, Chris with a K. Tom Bernard here with the founder and CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski, was here to talk about a great service at an app that you can get and use from North American Banking Company. It's called XCheck. All right, Michael, my buddy, my pal of mine, why do I need this and why is it cool? We developed the app to compete with the other payment applications across the country. We wanted something that was safe, secure, easy to use, and most of all, free. Say, for example, Alex needs some money. 
and you want to send her some money, you can do it right away in the payment app and would get into her account without her having to go to the bank. Most convenient for the princess in your life. And the Prince Andy, too, because I wouldn't want the kids having to leave the house to get cash. I wouldn't want that. No, there'd be no sense in that. You'd have to buy the gas then, too. Just like at my house, Tommy. (laughs) They're going to love it. This is Tom Why Not Bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, celebrating 20 years of providing a better banking experience. Member FDIC and equal housing lender. It's, a, it's wonderful that you're that honest because a lot of people are going to listen to this around the world, from what I understand, and you're doing a great service to people. And I, and I do talk about my, my kind of journey down that same mm-hmm. road, and I, I also had an anger issue. I know that's hard to believe, Steve, that but I had I an anger I think they go issue. together, don't they? <laughs> yeah, they kind of do. They, yeah, do. they do, yeah. So to be honest with you, uh, last time, it's been about six years since I've touched anything now. Mm. The last time I did... I was at a beautiful restaurant called Taboo in Palm Beach, Florida. Mm-hmm. And I got in an argument with a guy, and the guy at the next table said, why don't you watch your language? And I stood up, <laughs> and I took my steak knife, and I said, shut the F up or I'm going to kill you. And that was the last time I ever had anything to drink. Don't be nodding your head over there, Jill. I saw that. She's turning on us both over here. I know. But that's part of it as well. It's, it's, the, it's the sadness, the feeling alone. There's some anger because of that. You love what you're doing. All of that gets very confusing, doesn't it? You know, in the beginning when I first left the group and sort of the wheels touched down, you know, and I just had to live my life without all the rest of it, mm-hmm. uh, my mood swings were somewhere between trying to find some spiritual solace with Joseph Campbell and having occasional Joe, a Joe Pesci outbursts. <laughs> well, at least they were funny. Yeah. <laughs> they were funny in any so case. So what's so funny about me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> funny, funny how? How, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. So how long ago did, did this iteration of your life happen? When, when you decided to do something? Um, we can talk openly about what you're doing now, right? Because this mm-hmm. is going to be a, okay. You've got new work coming out. Yeah. When um, did that start? Do you think? Well, years went by. I mean, yeah. years and years went by, and I would say about um, oh boy, six years maybe or so, maybe seven years ago. I met this girl named Kelly, and. Um, you know, I was doing fine. I thought I had a pretty good open heart for all those years. I was pretty comfortable not being in the limelight, which I always was kind of all about. Not really didn't get into too much public eye, even when I was in the band. But um, I was pretty comfortable just being enough on my own. And I had no plans of returning to the music business. And then I met Kelly. And um, when I met her... She was already fighting for her life with stage four breast cancer and had been doing that for three years, but you'd never know it. She looked amazing. And she was a PhD psychologist and, uh, and we just were inseparable. And, um, so for about a year and a half, we were together and then I lost her, um, uh, 12, 14, 12. And it took me two to three years of grieving, honestly, uh, to sort of, to sort of, well, to think about opening up some of the songs that I was writing when I was with her, and some of them I'd written before uh, I'd met her, mm-hmm. and I opened up those hard drives with my engineer Tom Flowers, and we started looking at it, and uh, next thing I know, I picked a handful of songs and we started recording, because 
earlier on, she had asked me uh, if something was to ever happen to her that uh, I would make one promise. And I said, well, what's that? She said that uh, I wouldn't go back into isolation. And I said, okay, I promise that. She said, because she said, I just got a feeling it would make this all for naught. So she was looking at the idea that we, we met, we're together, and if something was to happen to her, that if that's the way it was going to go, it must have purpose. So I made the promise to not go back into isolation. And I'm talking to you now, Tom, about a new record I it's finally phenomenal. made. Do you think, because I do want to talk a lot about the record. I'm very excited because mm -hmm. obviously I haven't heard it yet, but mm -hmm. I get to in a short uh, bit, a couple of days. Do you think her strength is what got you through the whole thing? You kind of like picked up on her strength. And, I and never went. seen anybody yeah. so in love with life yeah. and not giving up. And, you know, Tom, how would a guy like me know if someone says, I love you? How can I believe them, Tom? I, no, I right? Know. How can I believe I, yep. that? You know, I'll tell you how. When someone like Kelly, stage four cancer patient, looks me straight in the eye and says she loves you, that's how. Yeah. So for the first time, she's got better things to do than to waste her time, okay, doing that kind of a move. So when she said that to me, I was done. Yeah. That's the first time and maybe ever got in deep like that. And, of course, I loved her too, and we were inseparable. That well, started yeah. the whole process. Yeah, I can absolutely understand that because, look, I, for me, again, you, you and I have a lot in common. And one of those things is my wife is a very, very strong woman. She's far too good for me. I know that. But the, just the other night, part of what I do and take life a lot easier, she was standing over the sink and she had kind of a frown on her face. And I said, what is that, your I'm angry look? And she goes, no, it's the my husband's pathetic and sad look. <laughs> so wow. it made me laugh. I had a wonderful, and but that toughness that she has. Well, it's an honesty that you you're yeah. grateful for, you know. Absolutely. And, and I had that too with Kelly. She uh, she would run the risk of my disapproval by telling me the truth. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> you yeah. know, and and I think men need that. By the way, I don't think men should not have that. Men especially need that from a woman. You got to have that. Relationships need that. Oh, no question. Earlier in the interview, you brought up looking for some spirituality. Mm -hmm. Well, apparently you found it. Well, I, I'm all over the map. Uh, Not with her, you weren't. But I, but I love every bit of it. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah I, I just think that uh, I needed to, like I said, be enough at some level. So it's an always evolving thing. My contact with whatever life's meanings about. Uh, right now, I have to tell you. My purposeful meaning is to talk about doing something that I swore I'd never do and that I did it, which was get my feet back in the, mm -hmm. in the creative waters of writing, recording, arranging, mixing, singing music. I built a studio in my house. I hired a great engineer. We were living in the box together and, and making all these decisions with incredible musicians coming and going from Josh Freeze on drums to to Steve Ferroni to Vinnie Caliuto on drums to, I mean, just great players, John Five on guitar. It just the list goes on. I made a, a record I'm really proud of. And, and it's something I thought I'd never do. And here sure. I am talking to you about it. And it's actually done. I get to hear it in a couple of days. Yeah. I'm still excited about that. Um, so basically, you've carried all 
of this from the time you're seven and whatever. One thing I will tell you about, about your music, when I listen to your music, it's real. It's not, I'm just make this line, oh, yes, I love you the most. It's yeah. not like that at all. You talk about why things, why you feel the way you do, why you're doing what you do. You've always done that in your, mu- in your music, which I, I just love. Well, that's so sweet. Somebody somebody told me one time uh, they thought that I I carry my heart on my sleeve, someone yeah. said, and, yep. and I, I never heard that before. Um, I don't know, Tom. You, you know, I, I, I kind of ran from those feelings. You know, I, sure. I was on tour with the band for so many years. I would finish a show and I would leave. I wouldn't talk to nobody. I'm just mm-hmm. the first time we're doing all this stuff. Uh, I just felt that I would just sing and disappear. And then finally I got to a point where that ended and I just disappeared. And now... No, you didn't. Well, I know. I think, <laughs> no, you didn't disappear. <laughs> you know, I, and by the way, that's amazing to me too, that yeah. I physically went away. But something miraculous happened. This music, I didn't even realize how much it meant to people until years go by and people still embrace it. I mean, what am I supposed to say about that? I, I just don't think I have the words of gratitude to even don't cover it. Uh, uh, it, it isn't like... It isn't like I, I don't need any more money, and the music business gone mm-hmm. anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Yeah, I understand. So, I mean, it's just I don't. I'm just I'm just stunned emotionally that these songs still mean so much to people more than anything. That's what it floats my heart. Well, here's one of the things. That- I should be mad at you because you're telling the Kelly story and I'm over here tearing up. Thank you so much for that. But I know exactly what you're talking about. I I adore my wife that same way. And she knows that. You're lucky to have her, man. I'm telling you. I want you to go home today with a dozen roses, Tom. I could do that. And when she asks you, (laughs) when she asks you, Tom, what are these for? I want you to put a little card on it just says, I love you. And that's it. What you've done now in the in the beginning part of this this interview, and I never check the time on interviews. I just go and we keep going. You've explained what this next album's all about. If people don't understand where it all started, what you've been through, how you adored Kelly, you found some spirituality in her strength. Tell us about the album. We know it's going to be, or it is phenomenal because you're done. With it. Well. <sighs> I'm really proud of the record. The record uh, is is a, a semblance of music uh, that I've gathered through those years. Um, no Erasing is the first track on the first side. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's basically a song about going to your class reunion and you, you see somebody you haven't seen in a long time and eh, she's got her life, but he's not there. You got your life, she's not there. And you're, you're at a class reunion together and you, you go outside and you sit in the car and have some conversation. Then you jump in the car and you go park. In my area where I was raised, there was canals, like lots of canals. Yeah, so we used to park on the canals and smooch. We used to smooch in the back seat of a car, in fact. Yeah. And so you jump in the back seat of the car and you, you hang out together. Nothing bad happens, but you might be smooch a little bit, you know, and talk about the old days. And it's no erasing, you know. And, oh, it's been a long time coming since I saw your face. You know, it's it's just about... That and also, it's a double meaning to the audience because, uh, in a lot of ways, they are the same thing. They they are that reunion feeling to me of going to something that I haven't seen in so long. And so the opening line is, you know, it's been a long time coming since I've seen your face. 
I know it's been a long time coming since I've seen your face, actually. Did you ever attend a high school reunion in real life? I have. You have? Oh, that I shocks have. me, actually. Yeah, I did the 10-year, and then I did the 15-year, and then I stopped. I yeah, just, I yeah. just, I don't know. I, I, It was hard. I would imagine it's probably true. I, I actually, my high school dropout, I did go to college for one day, but I couldn't find a place to park, so I quit. <laughs> so, that's a true story. <laughs> you couldn't play to wait? You couldn't park, so you left? Yeah, I'm like, I can't go here. There's nowhere to park. <laughs> you know, it's just how life is, I'm right? I'm out of here. But yeah, I, I, I just, uh, my high school reunion basically is thinking back to my high school counselor, and she said, Tom, you're 16 years old. Why are you quitting school? And I said, because I have to get an education. And she didn't like that. But that makes sense to me. Absolutely. See, that's, that's, that's what I think we share is this, mm-hmm. you know, life's the greatest teacher. It's going to be a little rougher. It's going to have invisible walls that you're going to hit. and They're not mm-hmm. going to feel good. But, boy, everybody has to hit those. No question. How long did it take you to write the new album? In, in the new album um, probably took probably about three, four years of sketching ideas, stopping, sketching ideas. Um, some of the songs I wrote, like Most of All, uh, was a song I wrote before I met Kelly, but it was about profound loss. And um, I didn't play that for her because mm. I didn't mm. want to bring that energy into her quest to to beat this thing that she was facing. So after I'd uh, lost her, I pulled the song out. And what was fascinating is the song was always about her before I met her. And then after I lost her, it was still about her. And then also there's another one, the album uh, that does the same thing too. But the whole album isn't about profound loss. There's some rock and roll. There's some happy moments. There's a lot. No question about it, but it has... Uh, I mean, that has such deep meaning for you. It, it has for me. I haven't even heard it yet. But, um, you, you know, it takes a very special person, and I mean this in the highest regard for you and Kelly. But a lot of guys are so shallow that they found out that she had any kind of problem, they would have said, oh, I can't do that. The fact that you did and she did is really cool. Tom Bernard here to tell you, Priority Courier Experts has immediate openings for drivers looking for more. Priority drivers are independent contractors who set their own hours, start from their own driveways, and deliver local on-call parcels and freight, which means you're home for dinner every night, and you get paid weekly. Right now, Priority's driver-friendly lease-to-own program has brand-new dock trucks, flatbeds, curtain sides, and tractor trailers just waiting to be driven home. And Priority is also offering a $4,000 sign-on bonus to qualified drivers. So if you've got the skills, we can get you qualified to start driving a brand new truck in as little as three days. Calling all drivers. Come get the $4,000 sign-on bonus you deserve for all the knowledge and experience you bring to the delivery business. Call Roger or Eddie right now at 651-748-4477 or visit them online at Priority.com. Priority Courier Experts. Every time you call us, we deliver.
Let's talk about good things. Does your car work? You got a roof over your head? You got kids, parents, a spouse who loves you, or a mate? These are the good things you have because you live in America, the country that has more immigration than any other nation on earth. You have these things because the U.S. military stands at a wall and protects you from any person or thing that would take them away from you. The entire volunteer military that stands at the ready just in case. The greatest fighting force ever known on planet earth. Every person serving in our military is ready to lay down their life for your freedom. And all too often, they do. I'm the executive director of the Gold Star Ride Foundation, an organization set up to do just one thing. Take care of families left behind when one of our brave fighters loses their life for you. We're riding motorcycles throughout the country to achieve this purpose, and you can help. Go to goldstarride.org and make a donation or learn where we are so you can come and ride with us. It's a small thing we do. It was a huge thing that they did. Goldstarride.org. That's goldstarride.org. Make a donation today. Well, you want to know how it went down? I would love to. He's got his Joe Pesci face on again. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you. Patty Jenkins is a close friend of mine. She... uh, She's a director, writer. She did the movie Monster. She did the last Wonder Woman. She's doing the new Wonder Woman. Okay. Um, and Patty, just a, like I said, a close friend. And uh, she was editing uh, a TV show called uh, Five about women who had survived cancer. And um, one particular character in the movie is facing the same trials who happens to be an oncologist. And... Uh, I'm sitting in the editing bay with Patty looking at the television and all of a sudden the camera's panning across this patio of a hotel. I mean a hospital, excuse me. Is let me start over. I'm sitting with Patty in an editing bay and uh uh doing this TV show called Five for Lifetime, and the camera's panning across this patio in a hospital environment, and all these patients are sitting out as the narrator's going, and this guy has prostate cancer, and he's doing fine, and and this woman has breast cancer, and she's doing fine, and they're living with it, and that was the whole theme of it, was that they are surviving and going on with their lives irrespective of the fact that they are fighting this disease. So I said to Patty, I said, "Can can you go back? Okay, stop right there. Who's that? Well, that's Kelly Nash. I said, well, who's Kelly Nash? Well, she's a PhD psychologist that uh, had breast cancer, and I put real cancer patients. That's how Patty rolls, you know. Mm-hmm. I put real mm-hmm. cancer patients around the actors so that it would have some authenticity emotionally. And so I said, do you have her email? She said, well, yeah, because she knows I don't do this. Mm-hmm. She said, why? I said, I don't know. I don't know. Will you send her an email? She said, yeah. I said, will you tell her a friend of yours named Steve would love to take her to coffee or something? So she said, yeah, but there's something I should tell you. I said, what's that? Well, she was beating it, but it came back and it's in her lungs and her bones and she's stage four. She's fighting for her life. I went, oh, God. So I was at that moment, Tom, where I, too, was challenged with should I go forward with this and send the email or should I just pull back? I already lost my mom, my dad, my grandparents who raised me. I'm an only child. I don't want to. My thinking is I don't want to get close and lose anymore. I'm going to just, you know, right. So my heart said bullshit. My head said, I don't know. My heart said, send it. So I said, Patty, send it. And she got back to me, and we got together, uh, had dinner June 16th, and we were inseparable. See, that's it, though. That, right there. 
uh, I think most guys' heads would have said, nah, 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 I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. But you actually have a heart. That's my heart drove that. I, I, oh, yeah. You know, I, I, I was kind of along for the ride. <laughs> <laughs> it's not you, it's your heart. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Where did that come from? Your mother, your father? Well, you got some questions, Tom. That's a good question. Seriously. Well, uh, your, your music kind of speaks to that. I, I, I wow. I always ask people that when they do kind things or, or they, you know, work from their heart forward. Mm. Somebody taught them that. I would have to say the biggest part of that comes from my father and my grandmother on my mother's side. Then coming third would be my mother and last would be her father. Because my grandmother, my mother's mother, was just the kindest, most giving. She would always buy food for people who lived in the neighborhood. And if we, if we were up in like the San Joaquin Valley in the area near Sequoia Park, she'd pull the car over, open the trunk, and my grandfather would say, what are you doing? He was a farmer, right? She'd say, come on, help me. And I'd go, what? I'd get out. She'd have empty crates. We'd steal oranges. <laughs> Oh my God! I swear to God, and and, and my grandfather's thinking we're gonna go, we're going to jail, we're gonna get shot. Get out of here! So so she says, shut up and help me. We'll get out of here faster. Then we would get home. She'd fill a paper bag full. Take this one to Miss Malika. Take this one over to the Massafuchis. Mm-hmm. Take this one. And these were my neighbors, right? You know, and uh, and I would just deliver fruit. So that's a lot of it comes from her, and then my dad was. He loved everybody. He really? just, I don't know, man. My dad was a, a wonderful cat. Is that where the music comes from? Thinking yeah. about it now, yeah. that's he, where it comes from. He was a singer. He was yeah. a great, great sort of baritone Sinatra-esque singer who won a contest in my hometown, you know, in the theater back in those days that really? Sinatra put together. Do you think most people understand where their music, if they write great music, do, do they understand where it comes from? Do, do they think they do, but they don't look back at what, the way you just did for our audience? Being that honest about where it came from and to what degree, it's great music. It can't just appear. It's well, I think life. I have to give credit to the landscape of music as it continues to evolve mm-hmm. in today's time, too, because yeah, yeah. I listen to all music. Um I love Ray LaMontagne. I love uh, I love Radiohead. Uh, there's so many different bands I really love and listen to. Uh, I was a big Coldplay fan for a while. Um, I love Katy Perry. I, I, I just go through all these phases of all these different kinds of music that just touch me. Uh, like Sarah McLachlan, Arms of an Angel, Kills Me. Um, these are songs, Inya, in the early days when Inya first showed up in the 80s. Yeah. I was devastated by that whole thing. So music has touched me and influenced my heart and helped me stay in touch with it so I can maybe access some of those feelings I think we're talking about. That's really great. I think a lot of people aspire to be big-time musicians, big-time songwriters and singers, but they I think they need to look inward and be really honest with themselves. It has to come from somewhere. It doesn't just appear. It comes from life's lessons that you learn, wonderful people you're around, maybe some people you're around that weren't that wonderful. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's why a lot of people do fail because they, they won't do that, what you do. Yeah. That's well, a, it's really cool. I've been fortunate, I guess. I've been fortunate in so many ways, Tom. I can't even count them. I mean, I really, really am very fortunate. You know, do you know that it's easier to win the lotto than to get a career in the music business? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, because oh, somebody's yeah. winning the lotto at least once a week. Yeah. They're not handing out music careers 
No. Okay, so that's how fortunate I really am. That's how difficult it was coming from a small farm community in the central San Joaquin Valley, dreaming, listening to radio come through this little transistor Mm -hmm. and seeing an invisible ether of a world out there. I just just wanted to be part of that uh, so much. And uh, I was so fortunate to become part of it. Well, I think you worked rather hard, too, didn't you? But, you know, a lot of people work hard and a lot of people are more talented than all of us. And they just, for some reason, the break never happened. So still, there's a lot of other stuff in play here. You love baseball. I got to mention, it ties in. Gary Gaetti was the third baseman for the Minnesota Twins when they won the World Series back in 87, 91. And I was standing talking to Gary one day. We were very close friends. And I said, you know what's amazing, Gary? Did, did some woman just whistle at me? It's my fault. <laughs> I swear to God. I, I'm, I'm psychic. I had a feeling I forgot to turn my phone off, and the moment I reached to turn my phone off, it whistled. I was right. That's a good thing. <laughs> so it all works out in the end. Oh, go ahead. Say that again. But I, but I, t- I was talking to Gary Gaetti, nice man, phenomenal baseball player. And, and baseball is a very special game. You know that. But I said, Gary, isn't it amazing as you're standing here, you guys just won the World Series, and now you're back to start the 88 season. Isn't it amazing? You you have to know there are people out there that are better than you at this, but they'll never get the chance to do it. He looked at me like, what are you talking about? I said, no, that's nothing against you. But there are some people out there that are a lot better than I am at what I do and a lot better than you at what you're doing, but they'll never get the chance to exactly do it. Exactly my point. Exactly. Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah. and, and so what that is, I don't know, except I think we're just very fortunate. A lot of good fortune, no question about yeah. it. Uh, I, I just, anybody who, first of all, you're a very, very smart guy. Did you know that? You know that. I've been called a lot of things, but not smart. Not as much that. Never, never been called smart in your life, but, but you know you are. You're very observant. You're very smart. You understand what things are. Yeah. A lot of people don't. I try to. I try to be as aware as possible and truthful as as possible. And you know, honestly, it, it, this is a challenge for me, and I'm embracing the challenge, yeah. meaning uh, just talking about myself for the first time. I've never done this, Tom. You never uh, have, really? No, not it's really. wonderful. Thank uh, you. But, but I think that uh, I think I'm ready to talk about myself, and mm-hmm. I think back then I don't think I was ready. I just was not ready. It's what I enjoy so much about. This job is not working. I mean, to sit down here and talk to you about your whole life, I didn't want to know just about, well, what about yesterday and what about tomorrow? That's great. But I want to know about everything about everybody yeah. that I talk to. I just love finding that because it helps me. Yeah. You know, I can grow in life if I know, you know, now that I met you, it, 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 it will enhance my life oh, because man. you have, it's good to know somebody as successful as you understands why you were and you have a big heart about it. You're a smart guy. You're a very nice man. Did you uh, know that? Thank you so much. Well, you Tom. are, though. I mean, you. I've talked to some people aren't that nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're catching me on a good day, Tom. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. It's got me on a good day. So I, I, I know we, we, uh, how, much, how much time do we have? Oh, really? You're coming over. Jill. What is Jill saying? What was the cue card? Oh, do we have a limited time? What, how much time do we have? Oh, we got Cumulus in Rhode Island on hold. Blow so. them off. No, I'm just kidding. For a little bit. I'm just kidding. No, I, I, we're gonna, 
We're going to talk all about the Elvis. Obama, the Steve Perry fans. I'm having fun, does. Jill. Can I have some fun? Yeah. Jill, me and Tom are talking. Jill's about one-third my age, but she reminds me of my mother. Oh. Only my mother would stand over me and lord over me like that, like you just did, Jill. That's a hell of a compliment, by the way. Oh, that's right. Very quickly, I'll tell you this, Jill. My mother was an art. I grew up Roman Catholic. My mother was a big. She thought JFK being elected president was the greatest thing that ever happened because he was Catholic, right? <laughs> I mean, everything was Catholic. So my mother, unfortunately, is dying. And one of the moments that you just shared, I adored my mother. Yeah. I mean, just loved her. So I take her hand, and she goes, Tommy, I, I don't know if I want to die. I said, Mom, come on. You, you know, your whole life you've been faithful. You get to meet Jesus. You get to meet the Virgin Mary. And she goes, eh, don't give me that. <laughs> oh, my God. That's that something is, you would say. That's right? brilliant, though. That's <laughs> it is, brilliant, isn't it? Though. It's what I'm talking about. See, you understand that. It's yeah. wonderful. Now, we will spend the rest of the time talking about the new album because okay. I want to know all about it. Okay. So, uh, song by song? You should go over No More Crying. Okay. And Sunshine's Gray. Okay. You're kind of pushy over there. Okay. Did I did I did I talk about? Yes. Okay, mom. Did I talk uh, enough about No Erasing, or did I go into something else? I can do another one. You did. You did pretty well on that. I thought. I can do another one. You said smooching three times. <laughs> she was listening. She was listening. That's good. <laughs> He's paying attention. For everybody in Radio Land, that is Jill, the one and only Radio Honey Badger of the Universe. She is indeed. <laughs> She's quite confident. Yes. Confident. I like that. <laughs> she is. That's right. a nice word. Confident. Hey, you're very confident. All right. Well, it's okay. She's okay. She's back to us. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. So, no more crying. You want to enter on Tell me about no more crying. Yeah, I can do that. Would you please tell me about... No More Crying, it interests me. No More Crying is uh, is an interesting song. At the last minute of the making this record, uh, my engineer Tom says, you know, there was one song on your hard drive that you had sketched, and, and um, it was interesting, and I think it could really round off the record because we have so many different modes and colors and rhythms and, and directions. There's some rock, R&B, there's some, so many different things. He said, this song... I don't know. He says, I don't know what that song was, but can we go look for it? So we looked for it. It was called No More Crying. And I wrote it with Dan Wilson, who uh, is a songwriter for Semisonic, That's who right. wrote uh, Closing Time and did a lot of work, I think, with the Dixie Chicks also back in the day. And, um, well, that song was sitting there. So we started to overdub on it, work on it, and bring it up to speed. The song has lots of different layers to it. It sort of has relationship layers it has love relationship layers it may even have some of my isolation era layers in the second verse about being alone and it's fine and i'm having a peaceful life behind closed doors but in the in the dead of a night i start to remember is what he says you know so there's nowhere to hide from it and then it also has some other perhaps you know old relationships going back to my success days then the song grows into some musical uh, orchestral places that just, for me, uh, are some of my favorites. I cannot wait to hear that. How many cuts in the album? Um, there's ten. I like that. Then, but. <laughs> you want to hit the deluxe? Yes or no? I can't hear you. I don't think we need to at the moment. Don't mention it? 
There's 10 on the record. Uh, there are some bonus tracks, but we're trying to figure out what to do with those right now. So. And I get to t- interview you again when they come on. That's correct. Yes. <laughs> That'll yes. be good. You may hear them. I don't know. It depends how nice you talk to Jill. Traces. <laughs> Why did you go with Traces? If you see the cover, gosh, I wish we had the cover. Uh, I would Ooh, love to sh- you have the cover. Uh, hold on. I'm going to get the cover for you. Oh, my gosh. My manager's here, and she, I should have known that she would be on top of this. What made me think she wouldn't be? My goodness. Well, I mean, very competent. Oh, okay. my God. Hold that in. I'll hold this in. So this is the cover. The right side of it is the, uh, is the front of the album cover. The left side will be the back of the album cover. And if you look closely, my entire life is in and all over this cover. Yeah. I've, I've missed a few things, but not much, Tom. Um, my hometown is in there. Uh, my little theater where my dad sang uh, Pennies from Heaven and won that contest. The Frank Sinatra yeah, started. Sure. Uh, if you look closely, it says appearing tonight, Ray Perry's son. That's me. Um, this, my old house is in there. Uh, there's, uh, there's a bottle of wine with a with a snake around it from my more abusive days. Oh, and there too. even is some powder on the road, which we won't discuss <laughs> back in the day. I mean, the old drum set on the left-hand side. Um, there's there's so much on this, including in the clouds looking down is Kelly, my mom and dad. Uh, there's just a lot to look at, a lot to discover on this cover. Um, and some of it is on the website. Well, I'm telling you, that explains to me exactly what we've been talking about for the the last hour Mm -hmm. you are who you are because of that thanks no it's true i mean it's it's heartfelt it's wonderful i i I don't know i don't say this to many people but i am very impressed with you as a human being man you're a very impressive man what's true it's been a real pleasure to talk to you. I, I've never had a chance to do an interview with you before, and I'd love to do this again anytime. Oh, I would love to do it. I'll come to your house and cook your wife dinner. <laughs> it works for me. It works for as me. long as you're not there, Tom. <laughs> yeah, good. yeah, thank you so much. I'll bring her roses, I'm not, Tom. I'm not going to win in that <laughs> argument at all. It's not going to happen. Uh, Trace is the name of the album, and uh, and we'll talk about it on KQRS when the, when the, uh, the date comes. You want to reveal that yet, or you want yeah. to keep that? Okay. Sure. Traces is the name of the record, and it's uh, coming out soon. Uh, October. October. Okay, let me do it again. Traces is the name of the record. Traces is the name of the record, and it will be out October 5th. And I'm really excited about it, and uh, it'll be available everywhere. Okay, two things. Uh, the name of the album, uh, a coincidence, a connection in my life. I have a nephew got in a car accident when he was uh, about 13 had serious brain damage and he's been affected by it ever since he lost a lot of mobility he doesn't speak very clearly i adore this this young man he's a young man now. i adore him and his name is trace oh <laughs> so wow that's kind of like you know stop making me tear up over here you know you? We it's steve's do. fault we should do is uh, let's call him after we're done here and we'll give a call to him talk to him a little bit we could probably do that that's a wonderful thing usually in these interviews because and thank you so much for your time today what a great honor to to be asked to do this and the honor's mine thank you you're amazing usually when when uh uh interviews wrap up uh like a red light will appear or a blue light will appear and you know that the interview's over in this case it's jill saying tom shut up (laughs) 
No, that. I can't. <laughs> no, I want to keep can't. going. <laughs> Thank you so much. Great, great. Just talking to you, being in uh, in your presence, and everybody you have with you. Uh, nice people. Thank They're you. Very nice people. Yeah, Thank they you. They are so. great. Steve Perry, ladies and gentlemen.